once in the last six months, you may be familiar with an episode that occurs frequently after service. Often during the coffee hour, my son will make a break from the nursery and run to me. Usually right in the middle of a conversation, of course. And he will eventually tire of my presence and go back to Kristen and maybe bounce back between us a couple times and then start making detours into various parts of the building trying to explore his church home. And it's happened before where we think the other one has him or is going to get him only to see him make a break into the fellowship hall. He really likes the fellowship hall. I'll just take this opportunity to thank any of you who have grabbed him and saved him from peril. <laughs> but fortunately, he didn't get far before we caught him because we know he likes to gravitate there. And we're certainly not the first, person, uh, the first parents who have had this problem. And even if no one here can relate, or if you think we're bad parents, I present to you the case of Mary and Joseph in our passage for today, if only to make myself feel better. But this is an interesting episode that only Luke includes in his gospel, and it's the only look we get at Jesus' growing up, aside from the narratives of him as a baby, or maybe toddler age at the oldest perhaps during the episode where the Magi visited. But in this passage, we see a preteen Jesus who has not yet started his ministry. So why does Luke include this episode? And what can we learn from adolescent Jesus? Shortly before this chapter, Jesus is presented in the temple still as a baby. And then Luke skips ahead to this episode where he disappears from his parents' sight. They travel a day without him before they realize what happened. Now, during the Passover pilgrimages, Jerusalem was packed. It's estimated the population was probably six times its regular size. And so not only would the city be full, but pilgrims would be staying in camps outside the city as well. It would be really easy to lose track of Jesus, especially having made the journey with relatives and friends, as they likely did. One could imagine a 12-year-old Jesus asking his parents, can I go see this friend? Can I go hang out with this cousin? Having just celebrated the divine word coming to be born as Jesus, God in the flesh at Christmas, and looking at the Christmas story, it's worth considering. If we can learn from Jesus as a baby, what can we learn from him as an adolescent? What does Luke show us about this unique human in this episode, the only human to be both fully human and fully divine? Interestingly, various theologians will look to this episode either to highlight one aspect or the other of Jesus, either his divinity or his humanity. And unfortunately, the church as a whole has historically argued about this in ugly ways. And I'm as curious as anyone, but I would encourage you, 
in both this passage and the Gospels and beyond. If you're going to follow Jesus, at some point you're going to have to be comfortable with mystery to a certain extent. And so I would resist, I would encourage you to resist the temptation to put them in a box that you understand. We don't do that with our natural world. When scientists discover something that they don't understand, they don't contort the data to their understanding because that would lead to false conclusions. They accept it in hopes of further revelation, but they accept it at where it's at when they encounter it. If we don't do that with nature, why do that with the one who created nature? Rather, I found what one theologian said helpful when he suggested it's far more helpful. Rather than arguing about the particularities as to how these two natures interact or when one shows up or the other does, it's far more helpful to consider what Jesus shows us both about God and about being human. The point is Jesus is both human and divine. And we get insight to both in this passage. First, let's consider the obvious. Does hanging out somewhere without notifying one's parents sound like the behavior of a 12-year-old boy? It does to me. As a former 12-year-old boy, I can testify that this is developmentally appropriate. The point being, Jesus truly became one of us. He had to grow like us, had to learn like us. This is all the more spelled out in verse 52 when it says, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. If he had to go through such basic details of human development, even the annoyance of adolescence, how much more can he empathize with our pain, with our difficulties, with our frustrations, our temptations, all our burdens as human beings. We do not serve a distant God. This was true before the incarnation, but the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh, shows us that God cared so much about us that he was willing to give up his divine power and privilege for a time to walk among us, to live as one of us. On the other hand, it makes complete sense that a divine 12-year-old would amaze even teachers of the law with his insight into the things of God. It makes sense all the more as to why he wants to stay in the temple engaging in these things. In fact, his reply to his parents It literally reads, it is necessary for me to be in the things of my Father. Which is why the footnotes of some translations will offer alternative translations such as that or be about my Father's business. For Jesus, he is tied to whatever the Heavenly Father is doing. When we see Jesus, we see God. Because he is both human and divine, we can learn from his 12-year-old self. And perhaps the biggest takeaway we can take for our lives is to prioritize God. Now, this is a very broad thing to consider. 
Prioritizing God means every detail of life is subordinate to him. That means he comes first. And that's why Jesus is in the temple even though his parents are leaving. And it's significant to the point of affecting where he is and what he does. Consider, consider verse 43 where it says, After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem because he had to be in his father's house. He had to be about his father's business. Even after the festival was over, prioritizing God does not stop after the festival is over. It does not stop after the holidays are over. It does not stop after Sunday service is over or Bible study or whatever. Those things are all important, but they're supposed to serve as launch pads for the rest of our life, as fuel for our journey beyond these walls. If Jesus was about his father's business, we need to be about his father's business. Spending time with him, doing his work, serving the poor, loving our neighbors, well beyond the, the Sunday service, well beyond our own festivals. If you notice, there's also a tension between Jesus' heavenly father and his earthly parents. This is just a foretaste of what continues throughout his life and ministry. His parents were not crazy about him being in his father's house when they were ready to go home. People in his hometown were not crazy about the things he preached and tried to kill him because of it. His disciples were not crazy about him talking about going to Jerusalem to die and argued with him about it. Prioritizing God, obeying God, is not always comfortable with our earthly relationships or our own preferences, for that matter. There may be times where we may have to choose Jesus over family and friends. And many of you may already know this very well. Many of you have probably already made hard decisions because you felt the Lord's leading. Whether that's choosing to be far away from friends and family because of how God wanted you to serve. Or maybe inviting tension into those familial relationships because you've decided to follow Jesus. Or maybe it's even in your day-to-day. -day. Speaking out against injustices somebody else might not care to hear about. Or loving people that maybe don't get along with your church friends. But as we look at the passage, we can also appropriate the perspective of Mary and Joseph as well to inform our spiritual journey. It's interesting that Jesus is not where they looked. They spent three days looking for him before they found him. And they don't find him until they get to his father's house. 
they finally find him in the temple, in the place where God said his presence would be in a special way. The place that actually foreshadows Jesus' reality as God with us. And further, our reality with the Holy Spirit, who is with us always. In this passage, I don't think this means that they did anything wrong, but it can illustrate a very basic principle in our spiritual lives. If you want to find Jesus, if you want to be with Jesus, it helps to be where God is, to look where God is. This is not a quantitative statement about the presence of God. Yes, God is everywhere, but there are places where he expresses that he is present in special ways and active ways. That's why Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Now, there are certainly dry seasons in our spiritual lives, but it's worth considering If you're having trouble connecting with God, if there's a block, if you're not seeing God active in your life, it might be worth asking whether you are looking in the right places. When we look at Jesus, we see God. As he says in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He shows us the things of God's heart. He gives us much to consider as we find him touching the untouchables, spending time with the social outcasts, speaking out against injustices, when he preaches generosity, when he preaches sacrificial love. All these things show us his father's heart, his father's business, what he is about. And these are wonderfully summarized in his opening teaching in Luke's gospel in chapter 4, when he reads from Isaiah 61, proclaiming good news to the poor and the oppressed and pointing to himself as the fulfillment. Are we looking in the right places? In the things of his father? Or have we tried to put him in places that make us more comfortable? Have we turned him into a good luck charm or made him a political pawn? Have we contorted him to be more at ease with our own privilege or have we relegated him simply to decoration in our lives? Maybe paying him simple lip service. Or do we follow him as Lord, letting his words and actions inform our own? If you want to find Jesus, if you want to walk with Jesus, if you want to know Jesus, it helps to look where God is. Being both human and divine, the 12-year-old Jesus shows us important things about God and ourselves simultaneously. And this episode is well worth considering if we want our human lives to look like his, growing in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and the rest of humanity. If we want that, if we want to grow and thrive spiritually, we have to prioritize God above all things. We have to be about our Father's business. 
That means putting him above our human relationships and our own preferences. And if we want to walk with Jesus, we have to look for him in the places where he shows himself to be about his father's business. Let's continue worshiping.